Hi, Emmaus. Welcome to the first ever recording of the Emmaus Proclaim and Display podcast. At least we think that's what's going to be the title. Uh, We want to help you show and tell the gospel to your neighbors and the nations. We'll use this podcast to update you on some things that are happening around the church, but we also hope it can be used to equip and encourage you in your faith. And we'll do some interviews with church members and missionaries along the way, a chance to be able to introduce people to you, and we might even do some question and answer if we get really brave. So I'm joined in the Emmaus studio. That sounds really official to say we have an Emmaus (laughs) studio, which we do a little bit, but I'm joined in here this afternoon by Jaron and Kennedy. So guys, introduce yourselves. What do you want to say to the people that already know and love you? Hello, Emmaus. That was Jaron, by the way. What's Uh, going on? (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, this is Jaron. Happy to be here. This is good stuff. We'll have some fun with it. Hey guys, this is Kennedy. Um, I asked Owen how I should introduce myself, and he just said, "Be funny," and that was a lot of pressure. But <laughs> I just want to be Kennedy. yourself. Just be yourself, Kennedy. I'm you're, Kennedy. You're you were I'm funny. Just kidding. We <laughs> have you. We funny. have you in here because it will be way funnier than me and Jaren being in <laughs> or here. I'll so just laugh. yeah, yeah. No, this could be good. This could be good or really bad, and we're not sure yet. So. <laughs> Uh, the staff went caroling on Tuesday, and I missed it, unfortunately, because I was home with a sick kid. Uh, we do have another chance to go caroling this Sunday. So, Jaron, any reports from the staff caroling, who the best vocalist is on staff, other than yourself, of course, and also <laughs> tell Emmaus about uh, caroling options this Sunday. Yeah, uh, caroling is probably one of my favorite things to do. Um, as the, the great line in, in the Elf movie, uh, making a, a cheerful noise so all that can hear. Was it seen loud? Sing, I don't really know the What is it? Line. Come on, Kennedy, rescue us here. Seen loud and clear for all to hear? No. No, I don't think No, that's, that's not. That, that is not. Sound right. What is it? Oh, oh no. Maybe, maybe we need to start this podcast. No, 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 no. People, people are appreciating this struggle here. So no. nonetheless, you got the Elf movie. In the last few weeks, I've done Minions and Miss Congeniality and... Uh, Man, what was the other one? Uh, Gladiator. Gladiator. So, yeah, yeah, you got Elf in here. Yeah, so That's good. No, we, we had a great time. Uh, we uh, made it to about nine homes, a lot of those wrestling with a lot of struggle, shut in. Um, and so it was just really good to uh, just to be there to sing. And, and, of course, they were incredibly blessed and told us how much they loved having us come by. And, of course, we got the, the bigger blessing to do that. So uh, we're looking forward to inviting other church members on Sunday night. We're going to try to meet in the church lobby about 345 and try to head out about 4. And it could take anywhere from an hour to an hour and a half to two hours, just depending on how we're uh, how many groups we're going to have. Uh, it's probably looking like we're going to have about 20, 25 homes we're going to visit. So it's looking like we're going to have a great, uh, great visits lined ahead of us. And so we just need some folks to show up. Last year, our first time, I think we were north of 75 folks who, who joined us for caroling. It was a lot of fun. So uh, it's going to be a lot of fun this Sunday night as well. It looks like the weather's not going to be too bad. So uh, yeah, it should be should be great. Yeah, well, we hope to see you guys out there. Like you said, come to the Emmaus lobby about three forty-five on Sunday afternoon, and then we will head out as close to four as possible to to start caroling. Um, Kennedy, this Sunday we also have proclaim and display challenge for this week. Is what is making a Christmas meal bag, and we can just put anything in there we want, right? Actually, no, no, please no. Don't please do tell that. us what to put in there. <laughs> tell us what the game plan is. <laughs> So we have a shopping list that's online. We also have um, a printed copy of the shopping list. And so it's basically just canned food items. Um, 
what you think of a Christmas meal. It's basically that in a bag. Um, and so you put all of that in the bag. Um, we're asking for those to be back this Sunday so that way we can kind of count how many we have, figure out um, how many are going out to our community. And so how it works is once we get the bags, um, we will start sorting them. And then on December 18th, we'll go out to our community and pass them out to um, some lower income areas or some people that just um, need some support and encouragement. Um, and we'll pass those out. We'll be able to invite them to Christmas Eve service, um, pray with them. And also this Friday, we actually have 75 bags going out to our schools that help um, provide Christmas for families in the more public schools area. No, that's fantastic. So bring the bag this Sunday, yes. December 11th, yep. drop it off in the lobby. Mm-hmm. We'll do all the work getting those bags together. We'll take them out to schools. And then on December 18th, after our holiday lunch that day, the church members can stick around after lunch and yes. we'll, we'll pass them out. So yep. yeah, I love that. That's one of our, I think if you ask my wife, uh, that is one of her favorite times of the year at Emmaus is being able to take those bags. And we try to go back to the same places every year and have built some really exciting relationships, some some powerful relationships have mm-hmm. come out of that. So I love that. Didn't a couple of years ago, didn't we like do that in like three inches of snow? Oh, it was yeah. snowing and icing. <laughs> it and was beautiful. It was yeah, awesome. Yeah, yeah, but which uh, I'm not sure long-range weather for this year. We could definitely have the same thing going on. So. I'd be okay if we didn't have snow. Yeah, yeah. You know, I think that'd be nice. <laughs> we, can, we can live with that. <laughs> so we can, we can make this happen. So now that uh, now that your dad's not in charge of the meal bags, maybe you're going to bring good weather. <laughs> with the, I don't uh, know. It may be just like a blizzard just, now. <laughs> yeah, that's true. That's true. So, so those are coming up this Sunday. Bring your meal bag Sunday morning, December 11th. And then that afternoon at 345, come to the lobby and we will go caroling about four o'clock as a church family. This past Sunday evening, Sunday night at five o'clock, we had our end of the year business meeting for uh, voting on the budget and voting on committees for next year. And then I also had a chance to share our state of the church address. And so we are going to, for this first Proclaim and Display podcast, we're going to tack that state of the church address onto the end of this podcast. So if you stick around for a few more minutes, I think that address is about 25, 30 minutes, but I would love to share with you in that address just how God's been at work in our church family and what that looks like going ahead. And so if you have time, uh, whenever you're listening to this, maybe doing the dishes or on a walk or a run, uh, give us a few more minutes after this and you can hear that state of the church address. And then we will be back, hopefully, next week with uh, the second attempt at a Proclaim and Display podcast. And I look forward to how God's going to use this in in the days to come. And I'm just so excited about God's work in our church family and and what a blessing it is to be here and, and what you all mean to us. So, Kennedy, would you mind praying for us as we wrap up? And then, like I said, after Kennedy prays, uh, we'll transition you to the State of the Church Address. Yeah. Lord, we just thank you for this time for us to just— um, Get some encouragement from you, Lord, but also encouragement from others, God. And I just pray that as we prepare for this Sunday with caroling and meal bags um, coming, Lord, I just pray that we remember why we're doing what we're doing, Lord. And that's um, so that way others in our community and others in our church um, will know you and be encouraged by you. um, And we'll just be reminded of the hope that you bring us, Lord. Um, I just thank you so much for what this holiday season means. Um, And I just pray for us as we walk in the days ahead. 
that we are just attentive to what you're calling us to, Lord. And it's in your name we pray. Amen. Amen. The best way to spread Christmas cheer is singing loud for all to hear. Oh, oh that's is. good. Amen I, I to that. Amen bit. to that. Okay, you guys enjoy the State of the Church address. <laughs> Fantastic. Well, let's move into our State of the Church address, and I've prayed over this and worked on this, and so I, I present this to you just as a, uh, as a gift and a, and a pastoral statement, but also asking that the Lord would, would use this. So if you just be patient with us, we're going to read through this together, offering this uh, as, as an act of worship. And then at the end, we are going to stand up and sing a hymn together at, at the end of our time together. So let's Let's get into this. We're just going to start, start right at the top there of page one. Section one, what is the soundtrack of Emmaus? Sometimes a book comes into your life that has an outsized influence on how you think and live. In 2022, I encountered one of these books, Soundtracks by John Acuff. The subtitle for the book is The Surprising Solution to Overthinking. Needless to say, I was hooked from the beginning because I'm a world champion overthinker. Beginning our State of the Church address with this book, I want to be clear. My life and our church will be based on one book, the Word of God, the Bible. From the foundation of God's Word, though, we can learn from other books. To quote Charles Spurgeon, visit many good books, but live in the Bible. Although Soundtracks is not written as an explicitly Christian book, John Acuff is a believer, and his book is essentially based on two passages. Philippians 4, 4 4-9 that we looked at this morning, and Romans 12, 1 through 2, about being transformed by the renewing of your mind. What does Acuff mean by a soundtrack? Have you ever gotten a song stuck in your head and no matter how hard you tried, you couldn't get it out? Many times, our thoughts are like that. Soundtracks are thoughts that play repeatedly and often automatically in our minds. This is okay if the thoughts are healthy, but too often these soundtracks become loud, toxic, and even destructive. Plus, we can't simply, simply flip a switch and turn off the soundtracks. Instead, we need to learn how to turn down the volume dial and then replace the soundtrack with thoughts that match God's word and his truth. So we talked this morning about how Acuff's approach has three steps. You have to retire the old negative soundtracks, so those things in your mind that aren't true, they're not helpful, they're not kind, you've gotta get those out. And then you have to be able to replace those with new positive soundtracks. You gotta find new things to think about, new things to give, your attention to borrow soundtracks from other people and then you repeat these new soundtracks over and over again and sometimes you have an object that you associate with or a story or just some way to put it in your mind what we're trying to get to is psalm 19:14. let the words of my mouth and the meditations of my heart be pleasing in your sight O lord my rock and my redeemer that that's what we're trying to get to so tuesday of this week december 6th will mark 36 years of Emmaus being incorporated as a church after being a mission church of First Baptist Moore. For the past seven years, we've paused around the time of our church's anniversary to look back at how God has worked and to look forward to what's in store. In section three of tonight's address, I wanna share some of the soundtracks that I believe had defined our church, our staff, and my own life over the past several years. We'll begin to retire and replace these soundtracks and consider ways to move into the future with wisdom and hope. But before we get there, I want to look back over the previous year. So let's look at some snapshots of the previous year. 
Without a doubt, the most significant change in Emmaus in 2022 was reaching the point at which Jim Lehue was no longer on staff. Jim started at Emmaus in March 2001, and in many ways, his life and ministry were synonymous with Emmaus for the past two decades, especially in terms of how Emmaus has served our community and local schools. Serving alongside Jim has been one of the most impactful experiences I've had in ministry, and frankly, in life. Beyond his servant heart, ministry skills, and mission partnerships, our staff benefited most from his wise counsel and hilarious stories. Many of you have heard those stories, and you know why why they're so good. We miss Jim on staff, but it's so clear how the Lord has prepared him to lead the new Oklahoma City Ministry Center and to serve as HR director for the Oklahoma Baptist Homes for Children. We are blessed that Jim wanted to keep his church membership in Emmaus, and he will continue to serve and worship as part of our church family. For much of the previous year, I knew Jim's transition was likely on the horizon. I just didn't know how quickly the process would move. Over that time, I thought and prayed a lot about what to do next. One option that we wanted to avoid was simply trying to replace Jim. No one replaces Jim Lehu. That wouldn't be fair to Jim, the new staff person, or our church. But I also knew we couldn't lose momentum with the mission partnerships Jim had established. Slowly, a name began to emerge to lead missions at Emmaus, Kennedy Lehu. In the time that I've known her, but especially over the past two years, I've been impressed by Kennedy's character, leadership, and abilities. I knew the Lord had called her to serve him through mission work. We thought this would mean an upcoming move overseas, but several plans failed to materialize. One day, Amanda and I were taking our daily walk around the neighborhood lake with our dog. She asked what I was going to do about Jim's resignation. I told her I planned to cry a lot and eat ice cream. She asked if I had any names in mind. I said, Kennedy. She said, yes, act now, contact her now. I knew the timeline would be tight since the school year was approaching, but God led us through each step with Kennedy, the personnel committee, and the church family. Members asked key questions. We formulated a plan for the current staff members to absorb Jim's other responsibilities. And for the past few months, Kennedy has led our church through a series of proclaim and display challenges while traveling to a key location in the Middle East, connecting with our youth, college students, and young adults, and continuing her dad's tradition of early morning teacher devotions in local schools. In addition, she's planning trips for 2023 and preparing to kick off 2023 with Missions 101, a general training for anyone who has interest in future missions work. I can't say enough about the work our staff members have done over the past several months. Jaron, Jeff, Cody, and I are coordinating pastoral care and overseeing the building staff. Abby and Gwen have increased the type of support work they provided for Jim during his final years on staff, and Gwen has guided the projects for our gym lobby, apparel, and new front sign. Courtney and Amy have always helped around the building, and that work has only increased. I want to give special recognition to Jonathan Smith, our finance director, who has coordinated building usage, overseeing finances, and served alongside the ministry staff in various capabilities. We have an amazing team. I should also mention at this point the incredible work done by our Emmaus Personnel Committee. Usually committee work in Emmaus isn't overwhelming, unless you happen to be Neil Reeser and Denise Cole, who served on the Emmaus Personnel Committee from 2019 through 2022. They have helped us walk through COVID, which would be enough, but their term also included hiring a new worship pastor, a new youth pastor, and a new missions director, plus significant work with our personnel handbook and navigating other issues along the way. I thank God for the church members whom he calls to serve our family on committees and ministry teams. Is Neil here tonight? 
He was probably worried about getting signed up for another year, so he, he didn't come. I had a gift for him and Denise, and they both said, I'm done. I'm out of here. So neither one of them is here tonight, but that's okay. We'll get that gift. We'll get that gift to them. So Each year in September, we have our annual staff review process. This year, we began using a framework called EDGE. Energy, how are you doing personally? Diligence, how are you doing at your job with productivity? Growth, how are you improving at your job? And endurance, what's next? These reviews often reveal common thoughts or feelings among the staff. This year was no different, but what surprised me most was how many staff members mentioned feeling continued emotional, physical, and or mental impacts from the past two years. In my less healthy moments, I can too quickly move on to the next thing without recognizing and dealing with emotions. And my family said amen from the back. Um, as excited as I am about the future, the staff reviews reminded me that we will only be effective long term if we are healthy in the present and willing to deal with the past. I want to take this chance to thank Emmaus for how well you care for the staff. We recognize this and appreciate it. And we want to build a healthy team that can serve you for years to come. Our main job isn't to do the work of ministry, but to equip and encourage you to do what God has created you to do. We want our servant leadership to be humble and loving, never bitter or self-seeking. To this end, we need to pursue health and healing as individuals and as a team. Just as it's been hard for our staff, I realize the past two years have been hard for our church as well. We've been through a lot. We've seen people come and go. We've had several changes on staff. We've navigated COVID. We've established a master plan and almost completed phase one. As your pastor and friend, I simply want to say thank you. Before we ask things from you, I need you to know what I want for you, to be known and loved by God, to be secure in your salvation, to be filled with the Spirit, and to be connected in loving relationships with those around you. And like I told our staff, if you're tired and hurting, we will do everything we can to provide resources and counseling so that you're able to live fully in the days ahead. I mentioned in last year's State of the Church Address that phase one of our church's master plan was approved unanimously by the church on October 3rd, 2021. Work began almost immediately, and the projects are approximately 90% completed. Before mentioning some of these projects, I need to express the debt of gratitude we owe to Jeff Meyer for his work on the West property. In addition to his endless work as our maintenance director, Jeff has overseen the implementation of phase one. His hard work, wisdom, and faith are a huge blessing to our church. A big thanks to Jeff. So far for 2022, the completed projects in phase one include expansion of the youth room, and they are almost ready for a big grand opening. I invite everybody back there to see the youth room if you haven't already been back there. Um, we also, if you turn to page five, we completed removal of the new barn, or uh, removal of the small barn, which was being broken into all the time, and we expanded the big barn to provide plenty of room to put equipment in there. Uh, we extended the concrete driveway in front of the barn to provide access and also provide a place to play basketball in the future and other games. Improved drainage in the back parking lot so that Lake Emmaus is no longer back there. Uh, hopefully all the water will drain out of that back parking lot now. We have a pipe fence to prevent vehicles from entering the back property, and that fencing was actually donated by someone who attends Emmaus, which was an incredible gift to us. And it looks great painted white now, by the way. So uh, we have bathrooms for use when we host outdoor events or activities, and those bathrooms can be locked uh, and programmed to be locked to limit access. We have a pavilion that's large and flexible enough to be used for events and activities, multi-use green space, and a new playground back there. Inflation of construction costs and the desire to avoid a loan prohibited full development of some parts of phase one, 
Plus, construction often moves more slowly than we expect or desire. So there are some things that remain that need to be done. We have more drainage and dirt work that needs to be done back there in the backfield just to get it level, and, and we're gonna be working on those type of things. We are gonna put basketball court lines in that new area in front of the barn and put pickleball court lines underneath that pavilion so that when it's dry, we can get out there and play pickleball under the pavilion. Uh, we're gonna put some disc golf baskets out there. We're gonna be a little, little bit limited on how many we can put out there. And then we're also going to continue to work on the walking track. So I've been excited about the possibility of a walking track from the beginning of phase one plans. However, we always knew this would be very cost dependent. So in 2023, I hope we'll have enough funds to implement part of the walking track, and then we'll piece this project together in the years to come. Section 2.5, uh, let's celebrate some of the ways that God's been at work. Uh, the focus for all these projects is how to strengthen the church, connect with our community, and ultimately share the gospel. The purpose is people, not projects or pavilions. The purpose is stories, not statistics. When I ask our staff to share some of their favorite moments from 2022, here's what they mentioned. First, don't miss this. We had at least 16 salvation decisions among our children's ministry. Each kid is working through books, talking with adults, and moving towards baptism. One snapshot of God's work in our church was November 20th. That morning, two of our young ladies, Tilly and Tinsley, were baptized. Hearing Dr. Harvey reading their testimonies, thinking about God's grace toward their family through so much over the past few years was overwhelming. Then that same evening, an older man at Emmaus, who has only attended for a short time and has been embraced by Tom Law's Sunday school class, was baptized. These baptisms, two younger girls in the morning service, an older man in the evening service, are a beautiful example of who we are as a church. Another favorite snapshot from this past year is of the student ministry huddled up, jumping up and down mosh pit style, preparing to depart for Falls Creek. God continues to bring our student ministry together, raising up leaders, 23 students, three adults went to Super Summer, new ministry teams are being formed, and sending them out to share the gospel. Cody has asked that our church pray we can see fruit from serving with the Westmore football team and begin seeing lost students come to faith during the regular weekly ministry times of Sunday mornings and Wednesday nights. I've heard from several of you that a favorite snapshot is when you see our kids and teens leading out in worship and serving as part of the choir. Uh, exhibit A would be this morning <laughs> for what that was like. The unity of ministry is on display when members of all ages sing and worship together, and both Cassidy and Jaron do a great job making this happen. A final snapshot that I want to share is something I see every week. People sitting or standing around the worship center before and after the service. I appreciate that our church leaves slowly. These interactions are some of the most important worship that happens each week. I'm always encouraged when I hear about groups of adults getting together throughout the week for encouragement and discipleship. Our women's ministry saw 200 plus people at a sold out My Favorite Things event, but this ministry continues to reach ladies through small things like coffee nights, small group Bible studies, and mentoring relationships. What we do in Sunday school and big church is just a launching pad to see our members gather in smaller groups at other times. We want to equip and encourage you to build relationships and do the work of ministry that God has created you to do. And then finally for section two, a uh, couple of numbers. Again, the most important work we do involves stories of life change, ministry engagement, and spiritual encouragement. What about numbers, though? We have two main spreadsheets, one for attendance and the other for giving. These spreadsheets are just one snapshot of where our church is on this journey, and we're going to work on some new key metrics for the coming years. 
Many reports across the nation aren't great in terms of church attendance since COVID-19. It's common to hear attendance numbers listed as 60 to 80% of pre-COVID numbers, though not surprisingly, many churches in our area are doing much better than those percentages. At Emmaus, our numbers have certainly been up and down over the past several years, but through this point in 2022, the average attendance on Sunday morning is 555, if you pull out those awkward winter weather and COVID weeks at the very beginning of January. This is approximately 40 less, or 93% of where we were before COVID. I don't say this is bad or good news, just to give a snapshot of where we are so we can think about what's next. In terms of finances, we have averaged $34,575 per week in general offerings. This weekly total for the year thus far doesn't account for the final two weeks of the calendar year, which are normally significant for us. And we'll say more about finances in the next section. So section three, soundtracks. As I mentioned in the opening, I've been thinking a lot about this idea of soundtracks. What thoughts play over and over in my head? Are my thoughts true, godly, and helpful, or are they toxic lies? I'm not proud of it, but in my flesh, I can become overly negative, pessimistic about ministry, and self-deprecating toward myself. Daily, I must fight these temptations and thoughts with the truth of God's word, the power of his spirit, and the help of his people. Groups can develop soundtracks over time as well. For the past seven years, I've heard soundtracks that define Emmaus. In this section, I want to consider a couple of soundtracks from 2022 and before and consider how we can reshape these in 2023 and beyond. You might not agree with each one, but I think you'll recognize them in our church. Plus, I'd love to hear from you about other soundtracks that you think are common in Emmaus. So, old soundtrack number one. We are a 25 out of 50 church. <laughs> New soundtrack number one. We thrive in the middle. What do you mean by a 25 out of 50 church? Well, a few years ago, an organization which shall not be named presented our staff with a certificate stating our church had finished 25 out of 50 churches in the state for a particular ministry category. Needless to say, this certificate has provided some laughs for us. Why would you celebrate being 25th? Isn't that like the ultimate participation ribbon? <laughs> uh, in a world bent on being the greatest, including within church life, the temptation is to do everything possible to move from 25th to 1st. And, if I'm being honest, the soundtrack of being 25 out of 50 is part of what led me to pursue counseling in early 2021. I came to Emmaus being told our church had potential to be great, and I internalized this as needing to be one of the greatest, biggest churches on the south side of the metro. That's a dangerous gauge for success in ministry, especially when attendance drops during your years of leadership and you're receiving awards for being 25 out of 50. But I think there's a way we can flip this soundtrack. Instead of bemoaning the middle of the pack, we can recognize this seems to be where our church thrives. Here's what I mean. We're not a traditional style church, but neither are we particularly contemporary. There was a time in our history where Emmaus could have easily gone either, either of these directions, but we're best in the middle. Our music style is in the middle. My preaching style is in the middle. Someone recently told me I was teachery preachery, which I can live with that for whatever that means. Uh, our church demographics are neither young nor old. Instead, we thrive with multiple generations. Politically, we refuse to lean either right or left, and we have people from all perspectives. We're not ashamed of being Southern Baptist, but for a Baptist church, we have people from a remarkable number of church backgrounds. In other words, we thrive in the middle. We're good at it. People connect with it. God uses it. 
A couple of clarifications, though, about being in the middle. Thriving in the middle does not mean we are lazy, passive, or satisfied. We will thrive in the middle, not coast in the middle. We hope the middle is marked by not only humility and love, but also hard work and determination. Thriving in the middle also does not mean we will back away from outreach or stop trying to grow. Church growth, both numerically and in terms of spiritual health, is part of a thriving church. We simply realize that the best way to reach our neighbors and the nations is to be who God created us to be. And the one thing we won't be middle about is confessing Jesus as Lord. Old soundtrack number two, people don't respond to the invitation at Emmaus. New soundtrack number two, people respond daily to God's word and spirit at Emmaus. A couple of years ago, I was looking through some old boxes underneath the stadium seating and came across a letter that Mike Booth, former Emmaus pastor, had written to the Emmaus deacons describing some concerns about people not responding to the invitation and the worship. To be honest, I was encouraged to know Mike had worked through the same thoughts and concerns. Admittedly, I've lived with this tension for some time, not just at Emmaus. Sometimes people will say to me, I wish more people would have responded today. And my response is usually, they did, immediately after the service was finished. Very rarely has no one come up and talked with me or contacted me after the service about how God was working in their life. So where does that leave us as a church? I wanna be clear here. We will never back away from calling people to respond to worship, the preaching of the word, and the call of the gospel to repent and believe in Jesus. We will offer an invitation most weeks and a call to respond every week because there's power in offering an opportunity for people to respond immediately to God's spirit. But what I'm no longer concerned about is whether that happens during the final song of the worship service. So why won't we judge the success of a service or sermon based on how many people come forward? First, it's important to remember that baptism, not walking an aisle, is the public profession of faith in New Testament theology, and the Lord's Supper is for rededication. There's nothing wrong with walking the aisle. It's just not necessary to express faith or repentance. Second, worship isn't confined to what happens between the welcome and the dismissal. Some of the most important worship and most important responses to the Holy Spirit happen before and after the worship service. Third, people will respond to God's word and spirit during a time of crisis on Monday, coffee with a friend on Tuesday, a meal conversation or small group on Wednesday, or a hundred other situations on Thursday, Friday, and Saturday. We choose to believe that our people are constantly, daily responding to God's word and spirit. What I imagine are situations in which someone calls me during the week simply to say, Pastor, I want to tell you how God's been working in and through my life today. Daily response to the Lord leads to gathered response. Fourth, the emphasis in the New Testament is on believers responding to God's word in gathered worship. And 1 Corinthians 14 is the background for this. Outsiders come in and see the believers worshiping and hear the word of God. We shouldn't expect guests or unbelievers to respond to God's word and spirit if the people of God aren't leading the way. Finally, at any point, God may unleash revival upon our church family in which we don't have to compel anyone to respond or pray or move or get saved. In the meantime, we will continue to pray, sing, preach, and call people to obey the Lord. Old soundtrack number three, people always seem to have one foot out the door. New soundtrack number three, people are here because they want to be here. The beauty of local church life is that no one is forced to attend a particular church gathering. At the same time, pastors quickly build up scar tissue when it comes to people leaving. In our worst moments, we become paranoid, bitter, discouraged, and even controlling. 
I have to battle a soundtrack in my head that tells me that person's about to leave, they have one foot out the door, and they're leaving because of something I did or didn't do. As you can imagine, that is not a healthy way to lead, and it's not healthy for the church as a whole. Instead, we need to flip the soundtrack and say people want to be here. They don't enjoy changing churches. They love their church family and want to see the church grow. The soundtrack, people want to be here, is much more helpful and kind. Plus, following COVID, this soundtrack is more true than ever. Every person currently part of our church either deliberately made the decision to return after COVID or is new to our church. This is a powerful position because we can build into the future with trust, momentum, teamwork, and excitement. And this leads directly into the fourth soundtrack. So old soundtrack number 4A, we attract people who are already Christians, not the unchurched. Old soundtrack number 4B, we struggle to reach college students and young adults. New soundtrack number four, people connect and stay because of people and purpose. Churches, like people, tend to have different personalities, giftings, and callings from the Lord. Some are incredible at reaching people far from God and seeing large numbers trust in Jesus for salvation. At Emmaus, this hasn't been one of our strengths, and it's developed into a soundtrack that I hear repeated and that I sometimes tell myself. This soundtrack can become toxic when we either stop sharing the gospel and stop trying to reach people, or we become so obsessed with reaching people through gimmicks and that we abandon God's word and the gospel. So what about struggling to reach 18 to 29 years old, 29 year olds? It's worth noting we're not alone in this reality. Many churches struggle to minister to this age group, and many people have a testimony of leaving church after high school only to return later in life. There's nothing wrong with facing this reality. The problem comes when the soundtrack volume gets turned up and we are tempted to make excuses, point fingers, or simply give up on this age group. So how can we flip these soundtracks? Remember, people connect with church and stay at church because of people and purpose. They connect because of meaningful relationships formed in worship, groups, serving opportunity, friendships, and they stay when they're engaged in the mission and are making a difference. Most young adults and unsaved, unchurched people aren't looking for a church to attend. They are worse than opposed to attending church. They're just apathetic about it. They don't think about it. It's not on their radar. But almost every person on earth is intrigued by what their friends are excited about. And they're doubly intrigued when they see lives being changed and relationships being formed. This is why new believers and new church attenders are often the best at inviting their friends. They invite because they're excited about what's going on. So what does this say for longtime Christians or attenders? We will invite others to join us when we're excited, when we see God at work in our own lives and in the church. Experiencing God drives us to want others to experience the same. And remember, people often need a place to belong. They need to connect with people before they actually believe. They need to belong before they believe. And people want to do good work in the world. They're looking for purpose for their lives before they realize the work we're doing is actually God's work. College students and young adults and Generation Z coming behind them have no interest in propping up church numbers or attending for the sake of attending. They want to make a difference. They want to be heard and involved, and they're wide open to being mentored and discipled. At this year's Oklahoma Baptist State Meeting, one of the leaders talked about the need to more effectively engage the communities in which we live. In the process, he said something that got my attention. He said, the answer to engaging our communities is found in engaging the people sitting in our pews. Listen to them, 
learn from them. So let's do this together. Instead of worrying about who's leaving and who's staying, let's ask who's going. Who's going to their neighbors? Who's going to the nations? Let's give and go to proclaim and display Jesus to our neighbors and to all nations. Old soundtrack number five, we don't have a wealthy church. New soundtrack number five, a little church math for you. Uh, Generosity plus consistency plus stewardship plus miracles equals wealth. When I was interviewing with Emmaus over seven years ago, the search committee told me, we have a generous church, but not a wealthy church. That's actually turned out to be a pretty accurate description. I would characterize a wealthy church as one with a budget that far outpaces the general needs of the church, or a church with multiple large givers who could fund large projects or solve financial needs on their own. We are incredibly blessed as a church, but these usual signs of wealth don't define our church family. Though to be clear, I wouldn't be opposed to having an outsized budget or multiple multimillionaires. Instead of being driven by a scarcity mindset, I'm learning to recognize that what we lack in wealth, we make up for in generosity and consistency. Instead of being obsessed with what we don't have, we'll focus on optimizing what we do have. If there's a need at Emmaus, I never worry if people will meet it. And I know our church gives consistently to the general budget of the church, so we're always in position to make plans for ministry and missions. It's worth noting that a church that isn't wealthy only works if everyone is giving as they're able. If you're not giving because you don't feel like you have enough to give, you're actually at the right place. Simply begin with what you have and allow God to grow your giving alongside the church family. A church where everyone contributes what they can, plus a little more, will be characterized by teamwork, mutual encouragement, and humility. So what about miracles in this equation? Well, miracles means God is not limited by our view of money and resources. Miracles means that God works in such a way that only he gets the glory. Miracles might mean unexpected ministry opportunities, surprising gifts, new members, multiplying what we already have, or an overwhelming revival of the Holy Spirit. Miracles might be big or small, but they remind us we serve a God who is able to do far more than we could ever ask or imagine. Section four, last section, continue on the way. This is when we kind of think about the future. So first, we are on track to finish our On the Way series through the Gospel of Mark on Easter 2023. You thought I'd forgotten about Mark, I have not. We're gonna make it, we're gonna, we're gonna run there in 2023, straight to the cross. You might be wondering, what's after Mark? Well, I like to have sermon series planned several months in advance, but to be honest, I'm not sure yet where we're going in the final two-thirds of 2023. For my personality, that just screams yikes, but we'll figure it out. The Lord will will guide us. Um, On Sunday nights, we finished 1 Peter in 2022, and we'll move through 2 Peter and Jude during the first months of 2023. We invite you to join us at 5 p.m. on Sundays for hymns and God's Word if your schedule allows. As we mentioned in section two, we hope to finish details on the West property in 2023 and begin using the pavilion and land for church and community events. With 2023, we reach an important turning point in the sense that we wanna make sure we complete phase one, but we also need to develop line of sight for phase two of the master plan, which is our preschool and children's building. That phase will require significant savings and investment and prayerfully some miracle gifts, if you remember that wealthy church idea. (laughs) Over the next few years, we'll turn our focus to saving a percentage of the phase two cost for a down payment 
And we hope our 40th church anniversary in 2026 can be a significant marker for this progress. Please remain generous with missions and consistent with your tithes and pray that God will provide wisdom, insight, faith, and miracles for the master plan projects. A couple of things on the horizon coming up this year. First, in 2023, our staff will get away for a few days of planning and prayer not consecutive days away because most of us have kids and don't want to punish our spouses in that way, uh, but, but a few days over the course of the year. Uh, we'll do a basic SWOT analysis, but also work through a couple of exercises related to long-range planning and thinking strategically about how to reach our neighborhoods with the gospel. On December 12th, the Emmaus pastors are meeting for prayer to pray for our church members and seek God's wisdom for these 2023 meetings. So we would ask you to pray for us uh, in, in the days ahead. I often think of something Steve Dighton told me several years ago. Steve is a legendary pastor in the Midwest, and I think he preached once or twice at Emmaus in the interim time before my family came. I remember Steve saying, when people showed up to my church on Sunday, I obviously wanted them to meet Jesus, but also, I really wanted them to have a good time. Now this could sound like a church light, attractional only approach to church, but that's not Steve. He simply meant that being part of the church should be fun, enjoyable and exciting. This is something I hope we can be true of Emmaus. It's really cheesy, but I do think it's true that churches who pray and play together will stay together. And then finally, on this section, we're starting a podcast. Uh, so everyone and their dog has a podcast at this point in world history, so we thought it was time. Actually, Emmaus already has a podcast, but it's just the Sunday sermon uploaded each week. Moving ahead, we hope to produce an almost weekly show that allows Emmaus members to get a quick recap of what's happening, hear interviews with other church members and mission partners, and get extra teaching or training on key topics. We'll probably also use some of the episodes for question and answer. So if you don't already subscribe to the Emmaus podcast, now's the time. And if you don't know how to subscribe to a podcast, just ask one of the kids or teenagers in the building, and they will get you signed up on your phone, so uh, they'll take care of it. Last section, let not your hearts be troubled. Since Genesis 3, our world has experienced the turmoil of sin and evil. What we face today isn't different in kind, but it often feels different in scale. Without being unnecessarily pessimistic, it's obvious we're living in a time of financial and political uncertainty, not just in our country, but on a global scale. As Christians, how we respond to these challenges will define our future. So how should we respond? In John 16, Jesus said, these things I have spoken to you, so that in me you may have peace. In this world you will have trouble, but take courage, I have overcome the world. Earlier in John's gospel, Jesus responded to Thomas and said, let not your hearts be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. When the future is complex, there are rarely easy, quick answers. We need wisdom and faith. We need patience and focus. We won't be surprised, troubled, or discouraged. We will turn to Jesus. He is our hope and foundation. When the future is shaky and foggy, we simply take the next step knowing God's mercies are new every morning. Great is his faithfulness. Let's pray together, and then we are gonna sing Great is his faithfulness together as a church. Father, thank you for your kindness and mercy toward us. God, thank you that on the day that we gather for this meeting as a church, that is the day of peace for Advent, 
God, we think about what it means to have peace with you and peace with one another. And God, we thank you for that incredible gift that you give us as, as a church family and as your people. Father, I pray that you would provide wisdom for us in the days ahead. God, as we pray and plan, as we work together for ministry, God, would you give us clarity about what that looks like? Would you give us the desire to reach out to people with the good news of the gospel? And God, I pray for our student ministry as Cody has a chance to connect with the Westmore football team. God, as students are inviting their friends to come on Sunday mornings and Wednesday nights, God, I pray that we would see students saved. God, I pray that you would work across our church family to bring people together for the joy of partnering for the gospel. And God, we know that when we wake up tomorrow, it's a new day from you, a new gift from you, and your mercies are new every morning. And God, you are so incredibly faithful to us. You've been faithful to Emmaus for 36 years now, and you will be faithful to us in the future. God, we simply want to honor you and love you and worship you and live for you. 